Hello, everybody, and welcome to another Minutes with Mute. As Scott Mutian joins us here, I'm Mike Galtieri, the host. Happy to be with you. And, uh, you know, a little up and down week here with BC football. They won three in a row. Now coming up a 17-14 loss against NC State, a tough one. A back-and-forth game. Uh, you know, and Scott, first, my first question to you is your overall thoughts of this game. We talked a little bit beforehand. Both teams really made a lot of mistakes on both ends. Yeah, it was definitely a sloppy game on both sides of the ball. Uh, both teams would definitely say that they did their best to give the other uh, other the game. And I know a lot of BC fans just from following it really think that BC uh, kind of blew that game. But, you know, they did kind of have a couple bad plays go, go against them. But if you really look at it, NC State misses three field goals. They have a double pass that gives BC the go-ahead touchdown, their second touchdown. They moved the ball effectively all day long. Uh, NC State was really in a lot of control in that. BC had their chances, but uh, if anything, I would say NC State gave BC more opportunities than BC gave them. Um, BC defensively, the frustrating part for them is that they they gave up too many third downs. Uh, Defense couldn't get off the field, a lot of extended drives. Ryan Finley, uh, who I thought... Numbers-wise, doesn't look like he had a great game. I think he was 14 for 33. But of his 14 completions, I think eight of them were on third downs when they needed them. And when you're able to do that and extend drive, those, uh, the percentage doesn't matter as much as when those completions came. And that, that really hurt the BC offense, especially in the second half, because they, they weren't able to be on the field very long. And their inability to block Chubb and some big key plays hurt them uh, late in the game. Especially on, uh, I think on the third down play right before the field goal attempt, they, BC gets in a personnel group, but they had run successfully. They had run a touchdown earlier in the game with A.J. Dillon into the short side of the field, running a zone playoff play, um, off motion with Thad Smith. NC State was waiting for that play, and they make a, a tackle for a loss there, a three, four-yard loss, which changes a little bit of the dynamic of that field goal. And obviously the bad snap kind of ruined everything, but... That, that was an unfortunate turn of events. Uh, earlier in the game, first drive of the game, BC's moving the ball at will. Anthony Brown has a shot to, for a touchdown, but forces it in a double coverage. I think if he came to a second read, which Tommy Sweeney was wide open down the sideline. So you get a bad turnover there. And, and the problem with BC right now, at least from what I've known offensively, or one of the things I've noticed, is that by personnel they become a little predictable. Every time A.J. Dillon's in the, in the game, it's either run to him or, or a sort of play action. When John Hilleman been, has been in the game, it's been a strict play action or pass plays. So I'm sure defenses have noticed that, and I really think they noticed that on the fourth down play. I don't mind going for that on fourth down. I really think that's yep. aggressive call. I'm a big proponent of going for it on fourth down. I thought um, – I thought NC State looked like they were ready for it when John Hilleman got the ball because he's usually not their short yardage back. So that probably sent an antenna up to them that they expected a trick play there. Uh, so that's one of the tough things that personnel-wise, you want to have your best guys on the field, but you also have to avoid tendencies of giving away uh, certain plays and certain certain looks based on who is in the game at certain times. Yeah, no question about it. Uh, A.J. Dillon has to be in on passing formations at some point. Uh, to otherwise you just get you're you're eliminating half your playbook and the defense knows exactly what's happening. 
Well, yeah, that's the tough thing. It's, it's either that or they need to start bringing in or give some more carries to John Hill and then yep. Travis Levy. Travis Levy was playing a lot as a third down guy. He was also a pretty explosive guy. Getting him some touches, too, to give A.J. a little bit of a rest. 30-some carries is a lot for a 19-year-old in the ACC. Wouldn't mind seeing them spread some of those carries around. I mean, it's tough to tough not to give the ball to A.J. when he's getting five, six yards a carry. But at some point, I think it, it, it benefits the offense to throw some different guys in there and, and different looks, especially now that Anthony Brown's out for the year. They really need to diversify some things, and whether that's bringing a little more John Hillman, a little more Travis Levy, or even putting Jeff Smith back there in the quarterback position and running some, some spread uh, some spread option looks could be a, a plausible outcome for BC. But they really need... They really need to kind of diversify some of that. It was, I'm sure it was frustrating losing Anthony. It was a tough injury for him. He was really kind of coming into his own and really maturing. Uh, you feel sorry for him that he's not able to finish the rest of the season with these guys. But Scott, Scott. He did get 10 games under his belt, which I think is a uh, – which is a monumental learning experience for him. Scott, let's let's go look right right to that play. What did you see in that play where he got hurt? Um, the uh, Dazi's press conference said it's a lower leg injury. I'm not a doctor, but that looked like an ACL. I have to say, uh, just your thoughts on that whole play. Well, from watching that one on the sidelines, Anthony made a great job of climbing up into the pocket, and he's going to make a move because it's third and thirteen, and. And I talk about, I'm going to take a quick tangent here, and I talk about during the games there's a couple plays that are the difference between winning and losing and whether either a call goes your way or a play goes your way. And the second down play, before that play, BC goes into a play-action pass. Charlie Callahan is running a deep post and gets absolutely mugged, and the, and, the deep, and the ref doesn't call it. Anthony Brown gets tackled for a loss, and so now it's third and 13. If that play gets called, BC's first and goal inside the 10, right? Yeah. And that play never happens. It's a talk, It's so fragile on how that happens. But anyway, yeah. to get it to third down, Anthony climbs the pocket, does a good job to, to move up and get them some positive yardage. At worst, it's a closer field goal. But as he goes to make a cut, he's kind of losing his balance, and his leg was just outside of his frame. And, and, you, and you notice a lot with these eights, you know, with a knee injury like this, you try to make a cut on that turf, and when your body's not aligned, it gives out because there's just, you know, the, the turf, got, it has some, some stick to it. It's not like the old school artificial turf, but it definitely has some traction in there. And when your foot gets stuck and it's not really aligned with your body, um, you'll see some injuries like that where the knee will give out. I mean, I've been watching football for 30-some years now, and I've seen that half that injury in so many different ways, and it's def—I would say it's definitely an ACL injury. I'm not sure if it's more than that, but he just—you could just see from the moment he made that cut when he went down that those non-contact ones—they're usually not too hard to diagnose. So BC, uh, we talked about uh, the special teams. It's it's frustrating in little ways because special teams played so well this year. Uh, I'd like to first get your opinion on the block punt. Uh, at the end of the half of that game, and obviously the snap, the the field goal. But with the block punt, that could have been avoided if uh, BC ran the clock out a little more uh, play, a little more time be- in between plays. And uh, just let me get your thoughts on the whole sequence at halftime, first of all. So you go into that series, and it's first and 10. North Carolina State has two timeouts. 
So BC's goal is to run the ball three times and hopefully get a first down. At yeah. worst, you run the clock down as far as you can. First down, BC runs the ball. North Carolina State elects not to take a timeout. I believe BC snapped the ball with about 14 seconds left on the play clock. Yeah. I'm not sure, but I, I, that's, that's, that's kind of an error that shouldn't have happened. Uh, you're gonna, if you're trying to run the clock out, you want to snap it with one second left. Now, I may be off by a second or two. I'm not really sure. But then BC runs it on second and third, two timeouts. There's 18 seconds left, I believe, after that. And, and then they block the punt. At that time, you know they're coming after the punt. Uh, the punter and everyone has to really just know that we're not looking to get the best kickoff at this time. You're just looking to get it off quick. And, and at worst, you want to lose to an outside guy. In any sort of protection, in any sort of, whether it's pass protection or kick protection, you never want to give up the inside rush to anybody because it's the shortest point between two distance, right? The shortest point between two distance is yep. a straight line. And if you make someone go a little wider, then they, it takes a little more time to get that punt off. And unfortunately, that punt came, the punt block came right up the middle, and DC uh, didn't have enough guys there and wasn't stout enough there to uh, um, to block that uh, to block that up correctly. Uh, Sometimes that happens. Uh, sometimes they're just able to, to beat a block. And sometimes it's just man-on-man man and another guy wins. So you just got to give them a lot of credit for making a nice play, for, for them kind of studying the BC punt protection and going after it. On the punt, I mean, on the final field goal snap, it's, that's one of those things that who knows if the long snapper is nervous because he had the, the last snap when they had the field goal blocked. He's thinking about it a lot. So you, you just don't know. But – you know, the long snapper are kind of like the holder and the kicker. they got to be able to do their job when they get out there because that's a pivotal play and a huge play for BC that would have tied the game. But, I mean, even on the other hand, you look at North Carolina State, they take two delay games when they go to kick field goals because they don't snap the ball on time, causing them to, to miss two field goals. I mean, their special teams weren't exactly on par and I thought BC played well. You know, they had two breakdowns, but, you know, NC State's special teams were sloppy too and did their best to give the game to BC as well. Scott, at the Monday press conference, I was there. Coach Adazio said he talked to EJ Perry and his family, and they said uh, they're all on board with him uh, being the backup for this game against UConn on Saturday and Syracuse next week in the bowl game. Um, so that would have to that would burn his red shirt if he does play. Just want to get your thoughts as a QB. How would you feel, first of all, in that situation, burning the red shirt in game 11? And um, just well, how do you th- – we don't know much about E.J. Perry, but what's your just your general take in this whole situation? Well, first of all, being on both sides of the equation, everybody loves the unknown factor of the quarterback and the potential that he can be, right? So everyone knows about E.J. because he's played from around here. A lot of local people have seen him play. Comes from a very storied family. Um, very well coached coach's son, uh, very, very good player from what I've seen. It's just a really big difference between playing Massachusetts high school football and trying to step into the ACC and play. Um, coach Adazio really gave him a lot of uh, props and credit to his competitiveness and his ability to go out there. Uh, I was in the same situation, although earlier in the year, uh, my true freshman year, and when Dan Henning came up to me in the locker room in the second game of the year and asked me to play, I, I said these exact words to him. I said, you didn't come here to have me sit. I didn't come here to sit on the bench. I want to play. So I'm ready. I don't care 
if I burn a red shirt in my third third game or my tenth game, I want to get out there and play. And if I can help this team win, and if I'm the best guy to put out there, then I want to be out there and I want to play. And I played, you know, some of the Virginia Tech game, the second game, and I started the third game against Pitt, and then I played in a bunch of other games that that freshman year. If you come in and play a game, two games, a game and a half, two to three games, that experience as a quarterback especially, because you're, it's unlike any other position, if you get a game or two of experience, it's, it's more important than that whole year that you can have to redshirt. And, and the other thing is people got to remember that you can redshirt at any year. At any point in time, you can redshirt. If next year, you know, EJ, play, EJ Perry gets a chance to redshirt, then he gets a chance to redshirt because Anthony Brown is back. But if he comes back next year and Anthony's still bothered by a knee injury and E.J. Perry can go in there and compete and he, per chance, wins the, the starting job as a sophomore, well, then you have him for three years. You're not going to worry about the one year that you, that you missed out on him. If you get him for three years and he wins a starting job, man, that's a ton of playing time and a ton of experience to get in there. People are really concerned about four years. I think you're really concerned about getting someone some quality, you know, appearances and to get in there and compete. And if he's ready to go and, and if he can give BC the best chance to win this year and whether he redshirts next year or wins the starting job next year, then it's, it's a valuable experience for him. And I, I, as a competitor, and I'm sure from what I've heard from Coach Adazio, he's, he's a lot like this. He wants the ball in his hands. No one wants to sit out there and not compete while you're – while your brothers and while your teammates are out there competing, if you think you can go out there and help your team win, then you want to go out there. And that's what I want from a quarterback. You don't want some guy to be like, well, I kind of want to wait and save my red shirt. Hell no. You want to go out there and help your team win. Get yourself bowl eligible. Play another game. Get another month of practice. That stuff's all valuable. And winning is the most important thing. And if you feel that you can help your team win, then, man, you got to step up and say that. Uh, and then uh... – Scott, I'd like to just get your thoughts. Right, that was I found it very fascinating. You talked about the difference between Massachusetts high school football and the ACC. Just for I know you from Ohio, but what are the differences in terms of uh, tangibles that we that EJ Perry might experience going uh, from that level to the other level? We saw a fluidity a couple of years ago. Just, just what what are the, what are the tangible differences? I'll say this, and it's, uh, I'm, I'm glad you brought up uh, Troy Flutie because that's a perfect example of it. Troy Flutie and EJ Perry similar high school careers. A um, little different type of player, but kind of similar. Troy Flutie is forced to play as a true freshman. I remember this play vividly. Third down, he's coming up against Florida State at home or, or, is, or is Virginia Tech. He drops back to pass. He sees some pressure. He has a lane to run. He looks like he's going to get a first down because it's third and four, third and five. And as he starts to run, he got run down by Florida State. He didn't even get a yard or two. So the biggest thing you notice is the speed of the game. The speed of the game is a lot faster than it is in, in local football here. There's some good talent out here, and there's some talented kids, but there's nothing like the speed of the ACC that you're going to see. Now, you won't necessarily see it from UConn, but you'll see it in Syracuse, and you'll see it from Clemson, and you've seen it from Florida State and Louisville. The, these teams are fast. They're physical. The biggest adjustment that you make as a young freshman quarterback coming in is the speed of the game. Everything going around you looks like an absolute fire drill because everyone's going ten times faster than what you remembered it. So the toughest thing for that is to make that adjustment, listen to the coaches on the sideline, and prepare yourself as well as you can going into that week. And that means you're studying film so that you're, you know some expectations of what you're going to get on, on second down, 
third down and long, third and medium, red zone, blitz stuff. So you have to over-prepare yourself mentally so that you're ready for any look that they may give you. So that's one more arrow in your quiver that you don't have to worry about because of the speed. If you're prepared and you overstudy on film, then they're not going to be able to confuse you. The speed will, will take some time adjusting to it, but if you're mentally ready and you you know everything and what to expect, that makes the, the speed adaptation come a little quicker. All right, Scott, last couple of minutes here. Uh, UConn playing uh, – so it's a home game for UConn. BC on the road playing a couple miles down the road at Fenway. Uh, BC will dress in the Alumni Stadium locker room, take a bus to Fenway. Uh, both sidelines in the same field at Fenway. So just talk about what we should expect this Saturday with UConn, both on and off the field. Well, I mean, you're looking at a team, UConn, uh, it's, it's, it's a big game because it's, it's New England, two football, Division One, New England power, uh, New England schools facing each other. But I, I've seen UConn play a couple times on television. Boston College is a more talented is, is a better team than UConn at this point in time. And I, I, I'm not trying to, to start any controversy or be, you know, be disrespectful to UConn. It's just if you just look at the match the players, uh, BC would, would win a lot of matchups against UConn versus some of these things, even with Anthony Brown being out. Um, so this is a game that BC ha- is more talented going into. So this is a game that they really need to come out and play with the intensity that they played in, in their three-game winning streak. There's no kind of taking your time and getting acclimated to the game. They need to come out right away with a lot of tempo and really get on UConn quickly so that UConn cannot get the chance or the confidence to feel that they have a chance to win this game. They tell that over any any coach will tell you that or, or when you're facing a team that you have more talent than that you can't let them hang around because the worst thing that happens when you let an inferior team hang around is that things happen. Bounces go the wrong way. Penalties happen. Injuries happen, and the next thing you know, they're in a game at the end of it, and then you can lose a game like that. So you really got to come out of the gates, guns a-blazing, go after UConn, don't give them a chance to get in this game and try to take their spirit early. Uh, it's going to be a you know a great night at Fenway. The Notre Dame game there was, was a special time. It's always fun watching the sideline annex when everyone's holding up the poles so no one can steal their signals. Um, that's a fun thing to watch because they're on the same sideline. But D.C. really just needs to come out and set the tempo on both sides of the ball, both sides of the line of scrimmage, and really kind of don't even give UConn a chance uh, to, to, to feel that they're in this game. I think it's a good thing that they're getting drafted, alumni, that the locker room at Fenway, it's an older locker room, especially the visitors' locker room. And baseball guys have a tough enough time getting dressed in there. So when you throw 85 football players in there, it's, it's borderline uh, <laughs> impossible to get dressed in there. So that's just one last thing that they have to worry about. But the great thing is, man, it's right down the road. It's easy travel. It'll be a nice, cool fall night. There'll be people around Fenway Park. There's nothing like that atmosphere. I think it's really cool to play in a historic stadium like that. So, you know, they should be pumped up and ready to go. They're, they have a week of practice and what, what they're going to do with their quarterback situation. Another week to get healthy. So that's a good thing. And, and, and I think one of the, the, the key things that you've noticed for BC is Notice the guys that are making contributions right now on both sides of the football, guys that are playing really well. Um, ben Petrula is playing very well for Boston College on the offensive line. He came in, no one expected him to really play. He's playing center, probably the most valuable offensive line position out there. John Lamont, 
wasn't exposed, expected to play much this year. He's been great. I mean, he's been making open field tackles, running down ball carriers. Him and Ty Schwab are basically the only two healthy linebackers BC has with any experience. And I think they, those guys have met, made leaps and bounds. The secondary has played extremely well uh, with the interceptions. It's tough to play against BC secondary. UConn breaking in a new quarterback. I believe their quarterback's out with a concussion. So that's that's going to be tough. You're going to see a little war of attrition there. And the good thing is BC's had the opportunity to break in a lot of guys now. A lot of young guys have had their experience. So they're they're not a young, inexperienced team. They may be young on what it says on the roster, but when you're talking about valuable game snaps against quality, you know, Division One FBS schools, man, you, you got to put up these, these, this resume for these BC players against a lot of kids in the country. All right. Well, hey, Scott, I know we went a little long here, but thanks a lot. Really appreciate it. Should be fun Saturday night. Hopefully the rain stays away. Absolutely. Hope the rain, rain. Keep that rain away. Cold is fine. Dress up, wear your long johns, have a good time in the stands. Enjoy Fenway and the areas around there. It should be a, a great night to see a football game. All right, Scott, thanks so much for joining us here. Thanks a lot, Mike.